This is the UU Perspective with your host, Sharon Merrill. This is episode number 27 of the UU Perspective podcast, where you hear weekly interviews from Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists that are changing the world. Whether you're already a member or a seeker exploring the faith, there is something here for everyone. So as you sit, walk, jog, or drive, enjoy the conversations you're about to hear. My guest today is Ariel Hunt Brondwin, and she is a lifelong UU, and she currently resides in Toronto, Ontario. And so we have our first Canadian guest, and she is part of the Canadian Unitarian Council and is on staff with the Youth and Young Adult Ministry. We're going to talk a little bit about what's what are the offerings for the youth and the young adults, what's available to them. And we're going to get the story about how the UUA, which Canada was a part of, what happened and how they separated and became their own entity and became the Canadian Unitarian Council. So we'll get the scoop on that too. All right, so, well, let's get to it. And here is Ariel. All right, welcome, Ariel. And I've just let everyone know a little bit about you. And I want you to take a moment, though, and tell everybody what you do inside of the Unitarian community. Okay, well, thanks for having me here. So I, I'm a lifelong UU, and, uh, and currently I serve the Canadian Unitarian Council as their youth and young adult ministry staff person. So I work with youth and young adults and lay leaders and youth advisors and ministers and religious educators all across Canada to support youth and young adult ministry in congregations. And uh, I also do a fair bit of work kind of at the denominational level, um, planning our, the, the pieces of our events that relate to, to youth and young adults. That's kind of the bulk of my work. <laughs> all right. Now in Canada, it, you're, it's Unitarian up there, correct? Um, good question. I would say that Canadians are pretty much as UU as they are in the U.S., um, and there's sort of some historical reasons for why that's not reflected in the name of the Canadian Unitarian Council, but um, if you were to talk to the average Canadian person, they would probably have a pretty similar kind of understanding of, of their identity as in, in, in the U.S. They might not really know the difference, or they might be like, oh yeah, I'm a UU, I don't know why we just say Unitarian, or they might know the history. It, it, it's actually, yeah, it's kind of... <laughs> yeah, well, when, because didn't Canada break off from the UUA? Is that how, what happened? Can you give a little history? Um, yeah, I can give a little bit of history. So in kind of the late nine, 90s, early 2000s, there was a negotiation, and um, the services that were, like, the CUC, the Canadian Union Council, was created in 1961, same time as the UUA. It was mostly an advocacy kind of body, and it was around being able to be a national voice to speak on social justice issues and kind of do kind of international things. It didn't, it didn't do the kind of direct support to congregations that it does now. It, the UUA provided that for both Canadians and, and American congregations. And then there was a negotiation and decided to separate. I think it there's a lot of reasons and sometimes people call it the divorce and there's still folks who are like, why'd you leave us? And it, it's complicated. I will say it came down to power and money, like most big things. 
And I think it was also somewhat untenable for the for the UUA to be both binational and national organization at the same time. It just it didn't really work very well. And there were some things that there was kind of longstanding complaints, I guess, around not enough support being felt like was being provided for Canadians. And so there was negotiations and eventually there was sort of this separation and the CUC started to do a lot of the things that the UUA used to do for Canadian congregations. So we hired staff and um, so folks like like me do kind of a hybrid of the work that the great folks in the office, the headquarters do. I was going to say at 25 Beacon, but of course that's not where they are anymore. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> and district staff. We kind of do an amalgam of that kind of work. The historical piece of why it's called Canadian Unitarian Council is that at the time that the CUC was formed, the presence of universalists in Canada was so small that I guess it was decided that it was like most of the congregations were were Unitarian in kind of history and origin. But at the time of merger, some congregations changed their name to be UU. And there's congregations that have been created since then that how are you you so it's it's kind of confusing and it's sort of a, also uh an ongoing somewhat lively debate around what's the difference and you know why are we just unitarian or what does it mean and what's unitarian universalist can't we just say unitarian it all means the same thing anyway <laughs> well that's a, that's a good piece of history because i saw that i didn't realize that the canadian had it was separate like that and it was like why are they just unitarian so i'm glad that got answered and i'm sure other people be curious about that too so yeah and i get that question a lot whenever i'm in the u.s and folks are like so what's the deal and and yeah that's the deal it's not a very straightforward (laughs) kind of thing oh wow all right well let's get into um your involvement with youth and young adults and any certain projects that you're working on or yeah so with with youth some of the biggest projects that I I'm working on are um, around conferences youth conferences and um, we do some in the fall in different regions smaller ones and then we do a big national one which is a little bit like youth caucus at GA general assembly but but different at the same time and we call that canoodle and that happens in May for us. And then um, there's another project that I've been working on actually with some staff in the U.S. called the Goldmine Youth Leadership School. And this is a really, really great program for youth that has evolved over the years. It was started in um, the Pacific Northwest District about 25 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that, and provides kind of a grounding for youth who are in leadership, for youth who want to become, become leaders. Um, and it kind of gives them a real grounding in actual concrete leadership skills, skills in planning worship, and history and heritage. And so that's a, that, and that program has, you know, was happening in the Pacific Northwest for a number of years. And then in 2008, Tandy Rogers, who a lot of people know of, who now works for the UUA, was working in the Pacific Northwest District. And she had this brainwave of saying, we got to share this program. It's too good. Um, we can't keep it all to ourselves. And she engineered a training of trainers, and that's how Goldmine kind of spread. And so over the last many years, I guess six or seven years, um, it's sort of spread along into the U.S. and in, in Canada. And um, there's a program in the, that they do in the Midwest, uh, Mid-America area that, that's adapted from that. And they've been doing Goldmine now for a couple of years in Ohio Meadville District and St. Lawrence Districts and uh, Metro New York. And then we've done it in Canada a little bit. And I've been able to collaborate with some staff in Ohio Meadville to to organize it together. And so we've been trying to, you know, make it way, make it possible for Canadian and American youth to kind of 
come to get, like both attend the programs and that's been more or less you know it's been a little bit successful but the thing that's really transformative about the program is that um, youth come together for about a week and so if anybody's you know had any done any work with with youth or gone to any kind of youth conferences or attended one themselves when they were a teen you know how youth are able to kind of create this amazing temporary community over a weekend so imagine what happens when you have a week to really dive into that kind of that community where youth feel like they can really bring their authentic selves and you have a whole week to explore who you are where you're at and and really build relationships too with with the other participants so the yeah the young adults that i know who attended talk about it as such a transformative experience for themselves so it sounds like you named three or four of them in both canada and the u.s yeah we've, we've just done it twice in canada in kind of the ontario area or in ontario and in the toronto area um and then it's been they still it's still running still going strong out in Pacific Northwest, and uh, and then it's been happening in New York New York State and Ohio. Okay, have you been directly at those and involved in those then? Yes, I've been able to actually be like a leader in in them. So the the other thing that's really great is that so there's these three tracks that I mentioned: the leadership one, the worship one, and the one around heritage and history. And each track is led by a pair, one youth and one adult together. So it models this intergenerational leadership and co-leading, um, which is kind of a hallmark of most UU um, youth kind of trainings, that they're always led in partnership between youth and adults. And so I've been able, I've led the worship track and I've led the leadership track. And so do they choose which track to take? Um, so the, the youth, the participants actually do them all. They do all the tracks. Okay, okay. Can you say, um, relate a story or something of a transformation of one of the youth that that it really made an impact on? Hmm. Well, I'm just thinking, yeah, the first the first gold mine that I was involved with, it was really interesting to see the transformation of some of the youth over the course of the week. And like there was one girl who came who wasn't really sure what her story was. I didn't I didn't know her well or anything. Like I had never know, met her before. But she was just kind of had a bit of a chip on her shoulder, I guess, was a little bit maybe a little too cool for the program. I don't know. Just There was a lot of attitude kind of all week long. And it was interesting to kind of watch her kind of butt up against what we were trying to offer and and see, like, you could kind of see her own wrestling with how she was acting and, and trying to figure out, like, what's going on. And eventually, towards the end of the week, something must have cracked open a little bit. And and she kind of left a different person and, you know, and that attitude sort of faded away a little bit. And I think there was a piece around being willing to be a little bit more vulnerable and in doing that kind of let in some of the care and love that was in the community. And that, maybe that sounds kind of really funny or like a lot of like woo or whatever, but it was just interesting to see like what can happen over time. Like, you know, a weekend is so short, but a week there's a little bit more time to really go deep. That's, that's for me the catch phrase of goldmine you know, not just that it's like the mining metaphor, but like this, this idea of going deep, that youth are kind of given space to really look inside of themselves and some space to think about like, who do I want to be? What am I called to do? Goldmine talks a lot about, there's a story that they, the participants here at the beginning of the week that has this phrase of, what is it for us to do? It is for us to heal the world. And that's something that kind of we come circle back around to a lot over the week. And it's a big, I mean, that's a big ask of a teenager um, it's a big ask of any of us, but I think it is part of our tradition to notice the brokenness around us and to do what we can to mend that, to care for it, to heal it. 
What What do you think the biggest challenge has been in running Goldmine? Mm. Um, in Canada, for sure, it's it's that people don't know about it, and it's hard. It's hard to explain how powerful it is when you talk about just the the curriculum itself and kind of go, oh, well, you learn about this, this, and this, and this is the format, and it kind of it's hard to get at the intangible pieces. And so I found that youth, I think, are hesitant to sign on sign up for like a whole week of their summer because they're not really understanding why it's so great. And they're you know if they talk to a friend who's done it, and the friend's like, yeah, it's so awesome, you should totally do it, but like they still don't really understand what it is. So I'm trying to find better ways to explain and show, I guess, what what is powerful about Goldmine. And some people, some colleagues have made videos, which I wish I had a little bit more skill around. Um, and I have some testimonials of participants and things like that. But that's one of the things I've, I've been struggling with is to really how to tell the story in a way that's um, enticing and, and going to do the program justice. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always tough to communicate something that, you know, you've got the youth doing it. And it's like you want to get their words out there to let everyone know about it, to get everybody hyped up and join in on it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Now, what other projects what what else uh, involvements do you have with the youth and young adults well something else that i've been involved with is something called um faith architects which is um a kind of a newish thing that has grown out of the continental young adult network or i guess the full name was uh continental U young adult network or cuyan which is a group that stayed continental even when the canadian and american kind of youth ministry and young adult ministry separated this organization stayed continental and um it recently has kind of transitioned from being like a representative kind of governance focused organization to trying to do something different and something that's more concretely about giving young adults skills and tools around being leaders in our tradition and that's something i'm pretty excited about it still really feels really fledgling and kind of like the bird that's going to fly soon. It doesn't quite have its feathers yet. And it's still all wobbly. You know, that image of like the young bird in the nest that's, and it looks a little ugly still. It hasn't like grown into itself. I feel like Faith Architects is still in a little bit of the like, yeah, that bug-eyed phase. <laughs> and what what's the age group of that? So this is for young adults. So it's a little bit older. It's like 18 to 35, which is this big age range that has been the kind of for better or for worse, the age range for, for young adults. And, and Faith Architects has developed some curricula that young adults can use, and we're looking at how to use it in, in like flexible ways. So you could put on a kind of a, like a little conference, or you could take just a piece of the curricula, and young adults can kind of work, work with it in their own congregation. And it's around um, also around worship and community, community building and social justice organizing. And so that's something I've been kind of working with other um, young adults around for a couple of years now, and it's kind of almost finally ready to stand on its own feet, so to speak, and we're in the process of recruiting kind of a board that's going to lead this new organization kind of forward. I've been part of like a transitionary group for the last little while. And so that's something that I'm excited about because it's it's something that came out of the young adult community after a lot of thinking and head scratching and trying to figure out like, what are we going to do? How are we going to go forward? The model that we have isn't working anymore. So it was, you know, it was a new thing that was came out of the community and is hoping to really provide young adults with some with a place to gain more skills. Because the thing that you find when you are working with folks in their 20s and 30s is you have this mixture of folks who are coming in to UUism as, as a young adult who are finding our tradition 
um, for the first time and are often stepping into leadership really quickly. Maybe it's because they are just really enthusiastic and they want to get involved. Maybe it's because they have a lot of skills. Maybe it's because there isn't anything for anybody like in their age range. And so if they want to make it happen, they have to do it. And so they're needing skills. So you have these folks. And then you also have people who are coming into young adulthood from who raised you, you and who came from the youth, came from youth. And they might have a lot of skills and knowledge and, and real deep UU identity. But now they're needing to learn how to harness all of that in a slightly different setting because they're not in youth group anymore. They're getting involved in congregations in a different way. And so trying to provide both of these two groups that in some ways are have really different needs, but both of them wanting to have more support in being leaders. That's kind of the, the idea behind Faith Architects. And you're saying it kind of stands alone because you're saying it's like a, a separate little organization. Is that right? Yeah, it's so the the starting point so far has been um, a curriculum, a, a training essentially. Okay. All right. And where it goes from there is not is not known yet, but how that curriculum evolves, and if we create more materials for training, like it's been suggested, that it'd be really great to have more that that youth advisors are people who need mo- some more knowledge around what young adult stuff is all about because they're the main contact that youth have is their youth advisor oftentimes and if they're if nobody ever tells them hey did you know that there's like young adult community that young adults have cons that young adults get involved in congregations if they have no knowledge of that chances are when they become a young adult and we all grow we all get older the chances of that person staying involved become I think a lot less when they don't know what's actually out there and it's sad for me, but the reality is that a lot of youth don't find congregational experiences that compelling after what they've experienced in their youth youth groups and youth conferences. The youth culture that they experience can be pretty different feeling from Sunday church life. Right. So you're kind of helping to create that bridge to keep them involved in the in their congregations too. Yes, that's part of it. Is 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 around. How can youth and young adults bring some of the best parts of the youth and young adult culture into congregations? So things like using covenant, being spiritually alive, a lot of the awareness around anti-oppression in all kinds of ways. So being, you know, really radically inclusive. On many t- many instances, our youth and young adults have been at the forefront of that and have been helping to teach teach us how to really include each other. And so those kinds of values that are, of course, present in our broader tradition that seem to sometimes come alive more tangibly in youth and young adult cultures. Like how can those folks bring that into the congregational setting more directly? So that's, that's a piece of faith practice is trying to, trying to help youth and young adult leaders do that because frankly, sometimes people experience a real culture shock of like, wow, this is really different. Is this the same religion? (laughs) Wow. You know, yeah. you, 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 I hear, hear those kinds of things. And that, and that kind of breaks my heart in some ways because it feels like a failing that we haven't helped there be more integration or, or just more understanding, not just like that youth know more about what sort of regular churches, quote unquote, but rather that we get rid of this idea of regular church and understand that there's a lot of different ways to be UU and there's not, and it's not like Sunday morning is like the real way. And then all the other ways are like the alternatives. But in fact, Sunday morning and youth group and, you know, uh, summer camps and youth conferences or conferences in general, that all of these ways are, are ways in which we celebrate and explore our faith. And, you know, and that's the thing, too, because that conjures up the thought, too, of I guess I would say that young adults, how they view church anymore, too, because it isn't about being inside the walls anymore. 
it's changed it's changing really and it's how are we going to accommodate that how are we going to change with it to be inclusive and look outside those walls is that part of it too incorporating that idea well that's i think that's definitely important but it has been less of a focus of of faith architects okay work yeah yeah wow fascinating and so inside of that too you know you're saying that actually it's it's changed from when it started and it's really kind of coming into its own at this point what was the big challenge inside of that bringing it to this point was it involvement mm. what so one of the things that happened was i think through kind of through the 2000s cun this earlier organization was receiving a lot of um quite a bit of funding and actually direct staff support from from the uua and so it grew and it was working really closely. At that time, there was an Office of Young Adult and Campus Ministries. And so there was like a big involvement with um, Young Adult Caucus at GA. There's another, there's a camp or, or retreat rather every summer called Opus, which has been running since the 80s, where young adults from like all over Canada and the U.S. gather. Um, this year it's happening uh, in Ohio. All of this stuff was, was going on. And then I think in around 2007 or 8, most of the funding was was pulled. And since that time, CEN kind of floundered. Suddenly, like they had staff people who were helping, working really closely with the leader, the elected leadership of CEN. And then that whole, like, kind of was like the bottom dropped out. Hmm. And the organization floundered because they didn't have the capacity suddenly to do what they were doing before. And, it, you know, they used to, you know, there was like a real elaborate um, system where delegates would come from all of the different districts and there'd be business meetings and you know, they were doing all this stuff and then they didn't have the, the resources, both in terms of people and staff support, but also in terms of money to continue to operate in that way. And so it kind of floundered for a while trying to figure out, do we kind of keep doing what we're doing? Okay, we really can't keep doing what we're doing. Well, what are we going to do instead? There was a couple of false starts. Um, there was a thing, there was a talk about, well, maybe we should just focus on conferences because that's the thing we've always done that seems like we're pretty good at. No, that's not what the community wants. Then there was talk about becoming a membership organization. That didn't go anywhere. And then Faith Architects was the next idea that was dreamt up. And that seemed to stick. And for the first time, it felt like people who hadn't been involved with CVN were getting excited about it. New people were kind of being like, oh, that's interesting to me. That sounds like that's relevant to my experience. You know, there's lots of young adults who, for all the things I just said about the disconnect, there's lots of young adults who come to who find UUism and come to church and think this is great and are perf- are totally happy um, and enjoy Sunday morning and that works for them and and they like it and and so they're not necessarily trying to they're not necessarily looking for um, something totally different from that but they're looking for skills or how can they participate more how can they learn more about being part of a congregation and so faith architects is looking at that piece around how can youth and young adults be more included and be more involved in leadership in congregations. So it does have a sort of a more congregational focus. Is there anything else that you want to share with us about youth or young adults that we should know about that you're involved in? Well, I think the biggest thing is to try and remember that youth and young adults, just like any other person or of any kind of group, that they are not representative of that group. Like if you're meeting them in a UU context, whatever, you know, brought them to that event or Sunday morning or, you know, conference is probably not so different than what brought you there. And they're looking to connect 
authentically, just like anyone of any other age. And I think we just get in our own way sometimes. And we get worried about like, so-and-so, they're not going to think I'm interesting. I'm too old. I'm too young. You know, we get caught up in all of the what ifs and stereotypes and whatever. And I think, you know, if we can't let some of that down at church, where can we do it? Wow, that's great. Yeah, because I know I've done this. I see the youth there, and I, I could go to that same place. Oh, well, you know, am I that interesting? Or they're in their own world or, you know, make up all this stuff. They just want to be included. <laughs> so just talk to them. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I can, I can do that. And, I, and this is my job. And I sometimes think, oh, you know, I should just leave well enough alone or whatever. But I think that's the thing is that we're, you know, pretty much everybody I know who's a UU regardless of people's you know theological understandings whether they're into whether they're a spiritual person or or not or you know whatever it is that gets them excited about about UU about our UU tradition everyone can agree that they're looking for community in some form mm. and i think that's you know that they're wanting to be in relationship with other people mm-hmm. and and i think that you know that crosses all the ages right yeah definitely that's great can you tell me anyone who has inspired you inside of your UU journey? Lately, I'm really inspired by the a lot of the leaders that I meet, especially some of the youth advisors that I have gotten to know in my work who've been doing this work for a long time and who are just so committed. They just have, they're just so there for the youth and are really just want to make a really great experience for the young people in their congregations and I find their service really inspiring and you know some of some of them have been doing this you know as volunteers for you know close to 10 years and it's it's truly like an uh like a labor of love for some of those these folks and you know I think to stick with something over time like that is really can be really challenging and to stay in it and to stay fresh and committed and but also be willing to like kind of grow over time as well and learn like all of that I think is really really inspires me in my work. Do you have a favorite quote you can share with us? Yes. So the quote is, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. That's from um, Jalaluddin Muhammad Rumi. So it's a Rumi quote, and Rumi's a favorite of a lot of you use. Uh, and I have that in my, my email signature, my personal email, and I've had that there, I don't know, maybe since high school. How does that inspire you? I feel you? like that definitely. Um, for me, it's it's this this idea of getting past the disagreements to to kind of a, a phrase that I learned early on um, when I first started working for the CC was this phrase of like you're talking to somebody and they say something that you totally don't understand or you think is just totally bizarre that the next thing that you say is well can you can you tell me more about that say more about that. This idea of like, who cares what you think? What is what is being what is on the table? And I think that's, you know, and and, and this idea of like, of um, like a beginner's mind or sort of holy curiosity. This sense of like meeting meeting the person for who they are, where they're at, where you're at. Um, and that's that's the kind of the image that I get when I think about what this field might look like. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Always just being with people and being curious. And asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, so the last question I have for you is, how is Unitarian Universalism as a religious denomination uniquely positioned to serve and impact society? Hmm, $64 million question. Um, I, so I was thinking about this, and I, one of the things I think that is somewhat unique to us is our, the way that we talk about shared ministry. I know that other traditions have lay folks and clergy and work together and there's lay ministers and other traditions, of course. But my sense is that it's not as central to the way that we understand how we work. And that shared ministry is this idea of anyone can, can preach and anyone can serve in a leadership capacity. And it doesn't matter, matter who you are. Like if you're called to step into that kind of role, there's, there's a space for you. And I think that that's, that's really powerful. It's certainly for me as a like as a young person growing up to see not just the minister um, be able to speak from the pulpit, but that lay people are invited to do that too. To me, that's a really powerful thing. And I think that that in terms of how does that mean or position to serve and impact society, I think it says something about authority that it can be shared um, and not doesn't have to be so concentrated in sort of a few people, but I think it, it sort of speaks to a sense of egalitarianism that I think is really increasingly important, as it seems like in North American society anyway, power and wealth continues to be more and more concentrated among less and less people and in less and less democratic ways. But I feel like our rootedness in sharing leadership is really important. All right. Great. Thank you. Well, Ariel, thank you for being with us and sharing about, you know, what's happening in Canada and how we're still still connected, even though separate. But uh, it's been great talking with you and having you share everything about the youth and young adult activities. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the UU Perspective podcast, and you can catch the show notes at our website, uuperspective.com, and feel free to leave us a message on SpeakPipe. It's a nice 90-second way of telling us who you want to hear and what's your favorite episode so far. Also, if you have any questions, you can email us at questions at uuperspective.com. And as always, really appreciate the fact that you do listen and you take the time out in your drive, walk, run, or whatever you do when you're listening to your podcasts. Really do appreciate the fact that you are listening. So until next time, have a great week and we'll see you then.